Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to Our Roots Podcast with Joseph Babaifa, brought to you by Botanica Candles and more. And if you haven't had the opportunity, please hit that subscribe button, tap on that like button, share this video, and be sure to comment, right? Today's episode, episode number two of the podcast of Our Roots, is going to be on spiritism, right? And we have two wonderful and esteemed guests today. Um, the first one I'm going to go ahead and introduce is a woman that has over 25 years of Odisha experience, even more than that within the religion of Mayombe or Palo, and then just as much as that within spiritism as a medium. Um, I'd like to introduce our guest, Miss Addie. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. And the woman to my left um, has over 10 years of experience in Odisha as well as spiritism and um, is also my wife. Um, please, everyone, welcome me in introducing Miss Erica Ochumporoye. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Um, today's topic is spiritism. So to kind of go into um, the definition of it all, I guess uh, my first question for you, Miss Addie, is what do you define as spiritism? When I think of spiritism, I think of the spirit that's within your flesh and that connection with all that we see, that we hear, and that we don't see and hear. Um, universal. So it's our spirit with every other spirit that's uh, among us. I don't know if I answered your question. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, for you, Poroye? Um, for me, um, very similar. I just, what I understand is that we are essentially spirits and we're just bound by our bodies. And so uh, what we're doing with spiritualism is just tapping back into our nature and roots and remembering who we were before we were born into this flesh, into this world. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's what I think spiritualism is. Awesome. And I would have to say for myself, spiritism is nothing more than the spirituality that has to do with our own spiritual makeup, right? The worshiping of our ancestors, the worshiping of our spiritual self, and really delving into who we were in past lives and also who walks with us in this life um, as we're going through this incarnation. Um, when we're talking about spiritism, one name is really going to come up and um, be a focal point. And um, at least his pen name was Mr. Alan Kardec. Um, this gentleman was really a pioneer because he codified spiritual practice. Now, what do I mean by that? This gentleman as such wasn't a medium in the typical sense. He wasn't coming into trance. He wasn't necessarily seeing or hearing anything. But him being a man of science, he was the first guy or gentleman to put spiritual practice through the scientific method to actually be able to corroborate it as something that was legitimate. Um, so I, before we actually um, started recording, Addy, you spoke of a, an experience where you were actually in France um, and it involved Jim Morrison. I think it did. <laughs> so if you can kind of talk about how that kind of began and how it kind of ended, because it was a pretty divine um, story that you had mentioned where you actually interacted with this gentleman on some level. Yes, it was incredible. So as a child, uh, you know, reading the um, the books that he has authored in many different languages, and being Cuban-American, of course, we changed names. Oh, yeah. So Alan Cardé was Alan Cardé. Oh, yes. So uh, <laughs> no idea that this guy had a, uh, that was French and that uh, was from Europe, et cetera, his history. And so... In my 30s, I was in France, and I always have loved rock and roll, and nice. so decided to go to the grave where Jim Morrison was buried. And it was a uh, very interesting place. We took a couple trains to get there. It was very creepy. There was lots of crows, something that you would see out of a movie. Yeah. And, uh, and so we arrived there, and then I, we got lost trying to exit the cemetery, and I can hear a voice saying, I'm over here. I'm over here. And uh, so I asked my significant other, do you do you hear that? He said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, I knew that it was something, you know, um, greater than than what I was uh, experiencing with my eyes. So I followed the voice and there I found the tomb of Alan Carday wow. and completely covered in flowers, extraordinary. And I was shocked and stunned and realized that 
learning history and understanding why we do what we do and having um, that deeper understanding really helped me evolve as a person, as an espiritista and as a human being, right? Because things have their roots as you are proposing to us. Correct. So uh, it was extraordinary. And um, so then I started reading and I'm like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot here for me to learn. So I recommend um, his books for sure and learning about him. Absolutely. Super fundamental. If anybody wants to go through a spiritist school, or mentorship program, kind of like even the one we have here at Botanica Candles and more that so many of us went through, going through our apprenticeship, because usually at least within Santeria and New World Practice, that's where you're starting off. You're starting off at the Boveda. You're starting off with your madrina or padrino. Hey, we have a misa. Hey, let's do this bath. You know, it's it's super staple that they're going to give you that book, Oración Escogido. Start reading it. Don't open the misa on your own, please. Um, and, you know, really start opening up and meditating. Um, I remember, honey, I remember on Netflix when that movie actually came out, the Card Deck movie. Um, and you were like, hey, we got to watch this. And when we actually did, you know, how did that film, apart from what you knew about that gentleman, how did it affect you seeing kind of a depiction of who he was? How did you feel about it? I think definitely I was a bit surprised, you know, just realizing that this was a man of science. Correct. And just as so many of us, seeing is believing. And um, seeing is believing. So <laughs> so with that being said, um, what this man actually did was he essentially formulated, um, and he, he came up with, I guess, he, he was able to scientifically essentially prove that spiritualism was real, you know, and I thought that was amazing. Um, just the fact that he took an idea and then he interviewed different mediums to come up with the same conclusion. And um, I was able to relate with that, you know, very much so in understanding that, you know, even spiritual beings getting into this, we are always looking for that confirmation, I guess you can say is what he was searching for. So it was very relatable and just very interesting. And it was just further confirmation that spiritualism is real. Awesome. Yeah, definitely a great film. I recommend it for anybody who's trying to grow spiritually or, um, you know, just learn and, and see a great piece of cinema. Um, Alan Kardec, to me, was somewhat of a pariah. And I, I say this to pretty much everybody I meet because I, I thought it was pretty wild. Um, my birthday is actually the day he passed away on March 31st. Um, upon his passing, it actually became recognized as International Spiritist Day. So the same grave that you went to, as luxurious as it looked, imagine on that day specifically. I mean, it, it basically dominates the whole cemetery, right? And I really felt like that was a huge connection for me because, you know, being a Babalawo, um, the first thing you hear when you, at least when you come into the Afro-Cuban Ifa, they're like, hey, the muertos, when you do Ifa, they stay over there. And I remember the first 10 years of me being a part of this culture and learning and being with my madrina and just being from Hialeah and being around so many spiritual people. I said, I could never leave this behind. You know, I might not be able to practice it in the same way, um, even though I never came into trance or anything like that. I, I still attend to my boda. I still light that candle. I still do the spiritual bath because it's just a part of you. You know, it's so cultural and it's it's basically patrimony and tradition at that point. So. Definitely, um, within spiritists or spiritism, definitely a messiah, definitely a prophet, definitely somebody that was selected for that, you know, because I remember when I started reading before I had to, you know, begin, you know, studying Ifa so strongly, you know, when you get initiated, you have to really eat the book. I read the mediums book, and I'm not sure if you guys experienced the same phenomenon when you were reading any of the different pieces of his literature you have, you start seeing and hearing things as you delve deeper and deeper. You know, and I remember thinking, man, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not seeing anything. And then, you know, by the time I was getting through a couple of his, you know, his works, I was like, man, I can't, I have to learn how to shut it off now. Cause it just, it's almost as if like things just start opening up. It's really like, it's scripture, you know, at that point, I'm not sure. Have you guys, you know, whether you're going through the book or meditating, do you feel like that opening up maybe of the third eye or however you'd like to refer to it? Addie, have you ever felt that? 
Definitely. I mean, um, throughout the years, I've also opened my practices to many other things that are available to us nice. along with with um, but that being the, the greatest foundation. I think I mentioned to you guys earlier before we started the podcast, my mother has been my uh, spiritual teacher and she read the book to me as a young girl because I was already, um, you know, showing signs of, of being very connected to the spiritual world. And uh, as, a, as a young girl, it can be very difficult. And um, even now, when I read the book, I'll just get through maybe a page, a page and a half, and I'm, I can't keep my eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> it really just puts me into a very deep trance, and it's very beautiful. Um, I think that, the, that he received, um, you know, from his higher self that's connected to everything in the universe, those words that he put. If you read him over and you even read pieces of it, it it's how prolific he is and how he expresses himself. It is unbelievable. You just, you know that there's something bigger than him in, in, in that work. And um, I recommend it to everybody. I, I think it's, it's a great way. Yeah, definitely timeless literature. It's uh, you know, it's it's old English or Spanish when you're reading it. it. It's definitely tough to get into it, but once you're immersed, it's really hard to get out of. You know, it's like a great piece. And did you ever experience any, anything like that as well, Poroye, as you were began reading and studying his work? Yes, absolutely. Actually, um, before we started, Addie was um telling me that she saw my third eye open, and she was yes. asking me, "What am I doing?" And I said, well, actually, I just sit down and I read the Allen Kardec Selected Prayers. I do my, you know, my meditating um, in moderation, of course. But, yeah, it's that simple and, and it, it opens, just naturally opens up that third eye. So, yes, it has helped me a lot. Allen Kardec's literature is, uh, I mean, I definitely recommend it to anyone that is looking to tap into their intuition, um, to ultimately look into their own mediumship skills because um, it has helped me a lot. Yes, I can feel it because when I saw you, t I hadn't seen you for a while, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> you're always high level, but I was like, whoa. You're like, yeah, I've been doing my reading. Well, okay. I mean, it seems simple, but it's actually extraordinary, uh, the basic things that we need to do that actually, you know, help us. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so you look yep. great. Yeah, everything, everything is consistency. Um, a lot of people, you know, I'm sure you get asked this, Addy, as well as Poroye, you know, how do we grow? How do we get to that point of proficiency? And, you know, the consistent theme or response is time and effort, right? You don't want to overstimulate yourself because these things are muscles, just like everything. Two to three times a week is more than enough because it's really not the volume of prayers you're doing. It's the effort and, you know, quality that you're doing, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be anything that's pre-written anything that is codified i mean just those intentions or just that meditation um you know is, is more than enough um it's really interesting because spiritism was not born in france it wasn't born in any country or continent necessarily um it was codified there and it's really interesting to see the evolution of the seance or misa right because when you look at how they used to look compared to how they kind of manifested in cuba and spain and ultimately here in the united states the format changed, you know, people would actually be around the table, you know, joined in hands and things like that. And Boroye is from the Bronx. And she yeah. actually said that she actually experienced a, a Misa like that back then. We're talking about people that, you know, probably came to this country in the 20s. And that was the system they learned, you know, mm -hmm. what was the energy like in that Misa compared to kind of the Afro-Cuban Criollo one that we do? So I, I always mention that to Joseph because as I began my mentorship here in Florida about 15 years ago, I noticed it was very different, but ultimately the same, right? Um, but yes, this was in New York over 20 years ago uh, when I started attending my first misas or we could say seances, right? And um, they actually, for me, it was a very unified process because, it, you know, the mediums would sit separately. So they would sit in a table like this, but it was all white, of course. And then they would just kind of be in a circle around each other, just working with each other, bouncing off each other's energy. And um, any other person that was not considered a spiritist at that time, or let's say they're working for helping, is outside kind of like uh, in an audience kind of setting. So. That was really different, but it was uh, it was an amazing vibe. Um, I, the way that I saw it was very like a community setting where they work together 
um, with, you know, because as mediums, we have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And I thought that was interesting that they would sit together and they would kind of bounce off of each other with a common goal, which was to help other people that were in need of spiritual assistance. No, that's awesome because, you know, when you're from Miami and, and you see the typical, hey, here's the table, the mayor sits there, the number two sits here, and then everybody kind of funnels in within the circle, you can see where our system is born from them, right, with the table feeding the focus. But the one thing I always noticed um, the old timers talk about was el hilo, right, yeah. which was the cord. You know, I, I had the chance to really listen to some really profound people and very competent people in that practice. And the old school espiritistas, they would tell you, use the bathroom before you sit down. Make sure you eat something in moderation before you sit mm -hmm. down. Because once we sit down and we start the prayers and we really create that hilo de la catalana, as they referred to it as, it cannot be broken. Right, mm -hmm. no interruptions. Exactly, I heard mm -hmm. that. I heard this story from Mayu Bona's husband. His father, he was from El Cerro, he was a he was an espiritista the whole way through. Never received manorula, never did orisha. Had many opportunities to do all of them, and just completely focused on the muerto, right? And he would say it. He'd be running the misa, and it was to the point where olorishas or santeros, before they were going to crown somebody in espiritismo, they would pull him just for the misa de like investigación, you know, and, and coronación because he was coronado and espiritista, like all of us are, and. He would actually be able, según what they told me, he was able to look at somebody and see when they weren't focusing or see when they were getting the urge to use the bathroom because his spiritual vision was so profound. He could see when the uh, when the cord was starting to vibrate, when the cord and everybody's focused and everybody's aligned and everybody comes to the misa limpio or clean and, you know, the way they're supposed to. It's a steady line. But as soon as somebody starts wavering or, you know, their intentions aren't pure or they just they're not focused, it started to vibrate. And he would be like, hey, focus. And they'd be like, oh, my God, you know, the guy's reading my mind. But um, you guys having run so many misas and been a part of so many, can you really feel that when somebody's not up to par or we'll start with you, Poroye. Can you really feel that when somebody's not on the same frequency as everybody else in the circle? I think, yes, at this point, most definitely um, you just feel the energy shift. It's more of a feeling for me rather than a vision per se. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell, you know, and that's that's where the concept comes where you want to be open. So, you know, we encourage people to have their hands open. You know, let's not cross our legs. You know, it's all symbolic, but at the same time, it, it, it significantly impacts the energy that is surrounding us at that moment where we're trying to, you know, embrace these divine fluids. And it's, it, you can just feel it. You can feel when the energy's off. You can feel when, you know, and it's a scary experience for some people, especially if they're new to it. So, you know, as the aperitita, you just want to reassure people in those moments and, and encourage everyone to be open to this. Because um, you can feel when you have the non-believers, um, the skeptics, the critics, and all of that essentially dims the light. Because, you know, what, what we're aiming for is light and progress here. And, you know, none of us are perfect, but we want to be as humble as possible. We want to come in with a clean heart and with clean intentions. Um, and that's what helps elevate the process. So, yes, in answer to your question, when it's not there, you definitely, I can definitely feel it. You can feel the difference. How about you, Addie? Yes. And I think um, it's important to identify the purpose. So a lot of the Mises that I went to as a young girl and throughout my life, we were all espiritistas, you know, and so we would do our oraciones, we'd get in a circle, and right away we would just catch that energy round and round and round and feed off each other. It was very, very powerful. And then being invited to go to other places where, you know, you have the person who is a non-believer or they have a resistance and then they're there because, you know, they have, you know, a different goal or a different purpose, a purpose and something else is inside of them that they're there to um, kind of, you know, be told something that will turn them to the belief. Yeah. And then so you feel that energy. So I think it's important um, also to identify the purpose of why we're there. I think that's very helpful for piritistas because then you also realize, you know, what it is, you know, that you're going to be working with so that you right. can, you know, kind of 
Be prepared for that. Be prepared for Mm -hmm. that. But for example, when I'm with you, whenever I'm with you, we always have a great corriente. Mm. You know, we always have that, you know, and I, uh, I can, I can feel it and I can see it too. I can see that the light moving through and around us now, uh, which is wonderful. So I'm happy. This is like a mini Misa. This is Phil. Phil's in the Misa. We're we're all in the circle, yo. (laughs) We were having a little mini Misa earlier. And that's why it's so important. (laughs) It's so important. I remember when Misas would happen, being invited to these was like being invited to a red carpet event. Yes. Like to actually get an invitation, especially from somebody outside of your house to go to one of the things was like, oh, my God, you know, let me make sure I'm wearing the right thing. Let me make sure I'm wearing the right colors. Let me make mm-hmm. sure I'm in the right state of mind, going with the right intentions, because when that line is really created, we're sharing each other's, you know, we're all up in each other's spiritualness. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you can definitely catch some cross contamination. You know, there yeah. was a certain ethic, you know, if I'm going to this thing, it's because I'm going well. You know, and if people felt they were off, they'd be like, Madrina, disculpe, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I'm ready tonight, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. That's why when we first started practicing out here, um, the idea of a public misa was very foreign to us because, you know, some people, they just open the door. Hey, everybody sit in, said fee for the chair, and that's perfectly fine. But, you know, you have to make sure to be able to delve into that. The person that's heading the misa has a very strong spiritual immune system. Because everybody's flowing in and out of you. Because the person that's responsible for that is who's at the head of the table. They get everything, they give everything, and everything kind of flows through them. So that's like you say, it's so important for everybody to be spiritually on that same frequency uh, to protect each other. Because that's the idea. Um, It's interesting here because one thing we wanted to tap into was um, we know how important spiritism is in Santeria, right? In the Lukumi. Um, To be able to even get to Orisha, they make you go through this process, right? You're going to go through your misas. You're going to find out who your spiritual cord is. You might get scratched in palo. Um, all of them are perfectly legitimate, right? And we see this here. I remember the gentleman I was speaking about from Cuba, he only worked with four materials, you know, flowers, water, perfume, and, um, you know, basically that, right? Um, where you see other elements in the Epiritimo Criollo, you'll see a cigar, And that has to do with all of our ancestors, right? The fact that we are, I think, even more African than Spanish to a certain degree. Um, But then you look at Ixeche practice, right? The practice of traditional Ifa. And it's very foreign to us because they don't have a spiritism-like process before they go into Orisha or even into Ifa, right? Um, What I've been able to deduce or understand is their ancestor cult is completely based on the Egungung icon, and it fulfills them, right? Everything is Egungung. Where, as maybe, you know, Poroye might come down with the animal, or you might come down with the Congo, they have the same concept, it just manifests differently, right? Where they'll wear the Egungung masquerade, and the Egungung is by house. So let's say we have an ancestor, right? that ancestor manifests itself through that specific household, that specific community, and that's how it comes down. So knowing spiritism and their cult, it's very legitimate, you know, as opposed to ours. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, what I'm getting at is, you know, knowing the process that you guys have been through or that we've all been through, um, how important do you feel now um, it is to incorporate those traditional elements into you know our practice you know i'll start with you poroye being that you've actually gone through said process you know what positive effects did Egungung um bring to you as far as you know spiritually i well um that's a really good question with for me um having gone through the Egungung process um made me a better medium um i felt it as soon as i received it um and you know, I guess in theory, we can say that, you know, we really are tapping into our own bloodline at that point because it's you're essentially, you're feeding the earth and you're feeding your ancestors and you're worshiping the, your ancestors, which is your bloodline. Um, so it's, it's the saying, who can bless us better than our own family, our own bloodline, our own, you know, our own culture, our own tradition coming straight down. So um, where we do... Uh, you know, have that practice on the white table because that's where you'll see the pictures of our ancestors. Um, It's just a little more rustic and uh, it's just, you feel it. You feel the difference um, of having the agungung and and just incorporating 
it within the practice for me has helped me um, be a better medium. And I, I do believe it's just giving that much more respect to my bloodline Beautiful. and they're helping me. You know. Oh, beautiful. Definitely. Now, Addie, you're a part of a completely different tradition with Mayombe. Yes. There's a lot of similarities there. Not so much iconically. Things look very different, but we're talking about something very rustic, something that incorporates animals. How did you feel? How, how old were you when you actually got scratched? How, how, how old were you? I was 27. Beautiful. And how do you feel like the scratching process upped your game, you know, even spiritually, being that you were meant for it? Extraordinary. Nice. Extraordinary. I um, actually, I received a lot of uh, resistance from my immediate family because the scratching was in my bloodline, but it had been, uh, you know, quite a very long time. It had been a very long time since, since someone had actually been scratched. But oh, wow. Because I had been practicing, um, you know, espiritismo with my family, um, you know, it came to me and I felt very... Um, you know, very secure in the fact that I needed that. I went to seek it, actually. And they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, I, I, really, I really need this. And, um, and so sure enough, it revealed that, that, in fact, that was a good alignment for me. And I felt um, rejuvenated. Nice. I felt uh, like a huge lift for me and, and just a, a beautiful, beautiful alignment. And... Um, I won't tell you the story around the day that I got scratched because oh Lord. no one's going to you know, really believe that. Um, but I would just say that I got on a motorcycle the next morning and went out with my friends to the Keys because I, I had been awake the entire night and I was just, I felt like I could be awake for days. Oh, it's the adrenaline. Like it, the adrenaline rush. You. It was a whole different me. And then in terms of my spiritual practice, it really, really grounded me and helped me and um i turn a lot to to that part of um to my candero you know i turn a lot when i have um challenges you know to to speak to my egons and i'm i'm all about honoring the ancestors as you spoke about because um that's in that's in all cultures about oh, yeah. honoring our our ancestors especially mm -hmm. spiritually but uh, for me it was pretty extraordinary sure and i think you're a real testament to that because you have crowned obadala correct yes. And you know what a, a lot of a lot of houses say, oh, Badala and Oshun can't get scratched, right? And I think you're a testament to that. It, it'll work for some people. But then you have people that are crowned other Orishas or children of other Orishas, like even Shango and Ogun, they, not blaming the Hayamiento, but sometimes right after that, it doesn't necessarily progress for them, right? I, I think one thing that we go through a lot now popularly is you see a lot of houses like, oh, you got to get scratched before you do Orisha. And some houses do that. Everybody, you know, that has a religious house has a right to, you know, impl implicate whatever they choose. Right. But it is one of those things that I do feel maybe not everybody's spiritually compatible with as far as like the initiation and priesthood. If you're meant for it, you'll definitely know because you're going to see that progress immediately. But a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I got to get scratched. Well, maybe you do. But what was the process that identified that, you know, exactly. was it, was it just, you woke up one day and you're like, man, I like a pot and a machete and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Um, you know, in your experience, Addie, you know, have you seen people that haven't responded so well to that, you know, as they probably expected they would? Yes. Because I think that although maybe you might feel, um, you know, connected to it, it does choose you. Sure. It does choose you like your, like your, um, you know, Oricha, which you're going to crown, you know, uh, we have our methods and we have our, our things and, and things do choose us. And so for me, yes, like you were saying, you know, your daughter of Obatala, you know, and I said, well, can you just ask, can you, you know, can we just investigate? Because I feel very connected to this. Yeah. And then it revealed itself that, yes, this was for me, although I have my limitations, like I explained to you earlier, mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I have some very strict boundaries that Obadala wants me to abide by when it comes to, um, you know, the, the palo work mm -hmm. that I do. And so with that said, you know, I think that it's important to have the spiritual guidance, uh, to have a, a house where you can trust your godparents and definitely turn to Ifa for uh, the guidance 
and and really take the path and listen. Because if you go against the things that are being told to you um, by your elders, then that will not unfold well for you. It, it just it just won't. And so finding that right place and then, you know, listening to your elders like you do to your parents, you know, they would say, you know, I really don't want you to go out tonight. And you would say, I really want to go out tonight. You know, uh, you know, there's there's things. This is very, very big responsibility, which is, I think, the one thing. And I might get on a tangent here. I hope it's OK. No, it's a good one. This <laughs> okay. is a po- We're good. We got time. We got time. Right, Phil? Right. We got time. But the one thing is that, you know, you just can't go rogue with these things. Oh, these, no, because they're more rogue than us. Yeah. This is a very, very serious, and I stress serious, uh, you know, Olua, you can talk about the the, the part about the uh, Orisha. We're talking about spiritualism. Yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have been in a Misa and I have told somebody that they needed to go to church. Yeah. Um, I mean, that you just, you need to regroup and get it back together and get your faith aligned. Because um, a lot of these things that we're speaking of, although we have, you know, proof and things that we feel, you know, it is faith. And, um, and so you can't go rogue. You have to really listen to your elders and understand that some things are good for you and some things are not good for you. If you're not intended to be scratched and you get scratched, um, that's not going to go very well. This is very serious, very serious things. And you have to attend to these things. It's, oh, yes. it's a marriage that you can never divorce. It's for the rest of your life and this uh, earthly experience. And your spirit, which is in your body, is experiencing this too, karmatically, from past lives or future. And so you really need to walk the line. Okay, I'm done. Nice, nice. <laughs> no, and I think I've, sp- I've spoken to many colleagues that are initiated, uh, Estada, Nyaya, etc. And they tell me, you know, people are very emphatic on the priest title. Um, most people, I- I'm very big on apprenticeships. Um, because I want people to see what they're doing before they actually get involved, right? Because everybody wants to be like, I'm a priest, I'm a palero, I'm a babalao, etc. But um, until you see what those people actually do, you really can't make that educated decision to be like, this is what I'm going to do spiritually for the rest of my life. Because these are things that are not only done for us, they're done to us, right? So it's something you can't lean back on. And that leads me to my question, Naporoye, you know, because you have people who have the most beautiful palo mayombe muertos or spirits that aren't scratched. And they didn't really have the need to be because I guess in the past life that muerto went through that incarnation and completed whatever task he had. And now he's here to help you or she's here to help you progress. I guess to you, Poroye, being that that's a similar situation, do you think the lack of scratching has interrupted your relationship with your muertos that have to do with that or as an espiritista at all? Do you feel like that's been an impediment? Um, well, in my case, um, I can honestly attest to the fact that it was not something that was necessary for me and my progress and my growth um, and for that relationship that I ultimately um, throughout the years have built, you know, with that spiritual court. Um, but I just I this was my case. But I think the bigger picture is us as spiritual professionals not generalizing Correct. Because um, I think in my case, I, I automatically wasn't initiated because I was a child of Oshun. Um, but ultimately, you know, it wasn't my path. So it worked out for me. Um, but it's it's just very important that we go through the process, that we go through the investigations, that we take our time and analyze that everyone has a different journey. Uh, it could be that in another manifestation, I was already scratched. Um, you know, and it wasn't necessary for me to be scratched in this life. So they're just things beyond our comprehension. And that's why it's important for us not to generalize and, you know, treat everyone case by case. Um, so that's how, that's what I would say about that. Very well said. Um, we recently um, interviewed Chief uh, Sholaba de Popola, right? It was, it was a great privilege and a great experience. And, you know, my regards to his camp and everybody that made that possible. But Chief said something that really, um, you know, was very enlightening, right? He said, there is no such thing as life. There is no such thing as death. There's only energy, right? Um, And I think that's really what spiritism is. You know, Alan Kardec's books and history have really shown that spiritism was the first religion, ancestor worship. Not only 
grandma and great grandpa and everybody that we might not have met going all the way back to the dawn of existence, but our own personal, you know, spirituality. But I, I do have to ask the question now, just to make it, you know, clear. Addy, how old were you when you first, when you saw your first dead person? I mean, like your first spirit, I think is a better way of going. It just, you know, how old were you? You know, you stretched me. Oh yeah. Cause I remember mine. I remember mine. Now we've like, established Whoa. that you see dead people. Yeah. Right. Let's six sense it, you know? <laughs> I was six years old. There you go. Yeah. Um, can you, was it too intense to like recollect right now? Or do you remember what you saw? Was it kind of, cause I remember when I first saw mine, it was like a blur. It was like a, a big black, like, you know, blur. Um, but do you rem like how, how clear was it to you? I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. And I'll be closer to 53 than I am to 52. Go ahead. Um, so uh, my gifts, because it's is what they are, is because you come from a lineage of spiritists. I come from a lineage of spiritists, yeah. um, but um, so things have evolved throughout the years as as I've gotten older and different practices. But at that time, it was a very uh, physical experience. Wow! And so, um, should I tell the story? Sure. Okay. So I I remember waking up screaming because I felt that there were bugs crawling all over me oh, wow. from the top of my head to my feet, and it was it was terrifying, and there there were no bugs, and so I remember uh, waking up, and so I remember that piece, and I remember it looked like uh, like I was in a tunnel, and people started asking me questions, and I just started answering. All of their questions and so from what i understand from my family is i passed my first eggum at, six at the years age old. of at the age of six at the age of six that's that's prolific that's wow and so um then i had you know a lot of some bumpy things along the way because of course that's a very young age oh yeah and uh and then also you know when you're a child you know uh the people around you um you know if they know or not don't know how to protect you, even though I come from a long line of espiritistas. You know, you're going in your day-to-day -day hustle and bustle of whatever it is happening in your life. Sure. And now you have this child that's having all these, you know, different experiences. And so um, it was a little bumpy, but I found my way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going somewhere with this as we go through each of our experiences. Uh, Puro, yeah, do you recall that first experience where you're like, oh, my God, what is that? You know, for me, it, it's a little different. I don't actually, I, I, even from little, I didn't actually see, but I felt. So, for example, I would just be minding my own business, maybe playing with my toys. Um, I probably could remember being about three years old and already feeling things. So, um, just to give an example, I'd be just playing with my toys and all of a sudden I'm terrified. So, I'm feeling terrified. I'm feeling, for example, that there's an old man, you know, that looks like this, 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 and this, standing in a corner. He died of this. And I don't know how I know this information, mm -hmm. but I just do. Um, and I feel it. And, you know, as a child, I'm afraid. And, and th that was my first, you know, experiences that I had as a child. It was a very feel fearful childhood. I was scared all the time. You know, couldn't sleep in the dark. Um, you know, oh, there's there's an old lady at the door. Um, you know, there's somebody standing over there. And it was just a lot of that. So mm -hmm. it can be very confusing for a child um, and very scary when you don't understand what's what's happening. Absolutely. And I think it's so great that you mentioned that because a lot of people, you know, say, I don't see, I don't hear, I don't this, I don't that. You know, one of the great things about Alan Kardec was he identified different types of mediumship. Mm -hmm. You have people who write under influence. You have people who see here and i always uh, this gentleman when i conversed with him he enlightened me so much because he said if you try to see a dead person or a spirit the same way you try to see me you'll never see anything because you're using your eyes you see and hear spirit with your heart he said you see emotion you feel energy you hear ambiance you know and when he said that it completely sharpened me because I said, I have to be within and without. I have to try without trying. I just have to be. And that's where the term medium comes from. When we talk about medium, we're talking about somebody that's in the middle, one foot in this world, one foot in the next, you know, and just allowing things to flow through you. Um, so that's huge. And then, you know, being a child and coming from a background where maybe that's not readily accepted or understood, 
that could lead to some really troubling things because, you know, I've had people and clients who have said, hey, you know, I knew I wasn't mentally unstable. I knew I wasn't emotionally unstable. I knew what was going on, but I came from a background that was very secular or, you know, would never have accepted even the reality of that or, you know, fear. And, you know, it really led to a uh, period of frustration um, throughout their adolescence because that is the time when the molecules start moving around. After seven is when it really starts getting super intense. And you got to, the big reason for this podcast, Our Roots, is so those who are confused or don't know what we're doing or, you know, how we're feeling, it's to let you know. It's not to be astronomical, but these things are real. Mm -hmm. You know, you are feeling that. You are seeing that. You know, it's not. Now, there are some people who do need attention, you know, medically. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole nother, you know, topic. But for those that are really just experiencing spiritual phenomenon, this is where you need to be to be able to find that stability because everybody's born with different gifts and different DNA and different backgrounds, you know. The reason I do all of this now or I lead up into this next question is because veterans such as yourselves, you know, people have been doing this for now decades. A lot of the people that are going to watch this, they want to know, um, what is your routine like? Because, you know, when you're playing basketball, you go to the guy that's balling and you're like, yo, how many shots are you throwing up a day? You know, what's your workout regimen like? Or you go up to that guy in the gym, like, how much do you squat, bro? You know, with people such as you, and I'll start with you, Addy, you know, what is, and you can go through stages because your career spans decades now, you know, even in the beginning, how was it compared to how it is now? You know, because, you know, the regimen changes, you know, the guy who practiced Kung Fu at 21, he's not doing the same thing at, you know, 45, you know? So what, what was your routine like when you first started? When I first started, it was basically attending the misas. Being present, okay. We, we had them weekly. You know, we would all get together and do oraciones together. And then later when I developed my own bobeda, you know, that was very helpful because I established my own, um, you know, to each one of my, my, my ancestors, you know, people that had passed in my life. And then people started to help me identify who my eguns were. So that was very helpful. So started to attending to them, you know, doing things intuitively, like putting flowers or putting candles and, and things that were taught throughout the years. Um, but I, uh, after I was uh, scratched in Palo and then I uh, was crowned in, in, uh, in, in Ocha, Ocha, uh, things changed for me immensely. Um, my gifts started to um, become less physical and more, you know, more visual. And so there was shifts throughout. And then, of course, you have to attend to your egos because then when you don't change your boveda, you're not doing your oraciones, you know, then you feel that low vibe, you know, like a low vibration. You start feeling that heaviness and you're like, oh, you know, I got to. I got to get back into so your body starts your body and your spirit and everything around you gets into a almost like a practice like going to the gym every day it's you a know muscle. Yeah. It, you just so you get into that flow where for me it was like okay every Sunday I'm going to do x y and z you know or you know every Wednesday I'm going to do this and this and kind of attend to my things and I could feel energetically uh, when I was getting distracted that I wasn't as clear in my thought process. Things were unfolding the way that they usually would because it's something that for me, it, it's such a big part of my life um, that I can't not attend to my things. I think everybody has a different pace with me. I really need to stay in the mix. Uh, now, throughout the years, when I started um, practicing martial arts, as you know, and then reading about some Buddhist practices and, and even recently, um, started doing a lot more meditation, I never realized the power of meditation. And, and that's something that I highly recommend. And for me, so every morning I have my coffee because I'm cumin, I got to have my claro. coffee. And then the next thing I do is even if I just take five to seven to eight minutes, I meditate. And then I turn myself over to service which is something that has really helped my spiritual growth is that realizing and really feeling that I'm here to serve and I'm here to serve the planet, you know, as a spiritual being and as a human. And so once I made that shift and I really can't tell you how that all kind of unfolded, it's just maybe maturity or just my, my preferences, but once I started to do that in the morning, it really sets the pace for the entire day. Oh, sure. The first five minutes affects the next 12 hours, you know. And that that for me, so I, you know, 
would say that that everyone needs to find their way. And I think that um, some people might not hear or see things the way maybe we do. But in that meditation practice, and, and many, many cultures talk about it, oh, how yeah. important it is, you know, um, and having that peace. And so for me, that's where it's at now. So I do that. And then, of course, every Sunday I do my ritual. I love rituals. Like I'm a big ritual girl. So I do I do my, my readings and my things as I've always done before on Sundays. And I'm here today. So today's my thing today. This is a spiritual <laughs> process. Yeah. And, and for you, Poroye, what, what's your uh, routine like? Oh, wow. Do we have time for this? Oh, yeah. Um, because <laughs> there has been an evolution here. Um, you know, I've, I've been, I tap, started tapping into my spirituality, I want to say about 15 years ago. And it has been such a process. Um, but I would say simply that what really helped me was sitting in the spiritual masses. So just that safe place where there's responsible mediums that are assisting you through prayer, helping you, you know, tap into your higher self, as well as elevating your own spiritual court through those safe places, which is through the misas, which was through the mediums that mentored me. Um, I have to say, and, and I was just speaking to Addie about this, that I had the privilege that my mentor, Omiale, um, she is an amazing medium. And I, we would work a lot of um, spiritualism. We would do a lot of misas. We would do a lot of uh, work for the community, helping people as well as just sitting down and, and, and helping ourselves by doing prayers and elevating. So at first, it took a lot of that, a lot of actually attending the spiritual masses and being with responsible mediums. And then I was able to transition to a, a routine where I was able to do it on my own table and just sit down and do my prayers. Um, and I would do that at least once a week. But um, because I'm a medium and I channel and I come into trance, I that before I can do that actually required for me to be with mentors, for me to be in a safe place, because if not, I would come into trance by myself sitting in the table. So we couldn't have that. Mm -hmm. So that's why that was my process where I was just sitting in a lot of misas with mediums. And then over time, I was able to sit my own table and, you know, of course not open up a mask because you need three or more for that, but just go through my prayers, my meditation um, and that helped my spiritual court elevate as well because my spiritual court first came in very rough and it's a relationship that we're building spiritually Trust, because, yeah. you know, that spiritual court, you know, what I truly believe is we're helping those spirits as much as they're helping us. We're elevating them because they're on a mission just as much as we're on a mission here. We were born into a mission, but essentially we're their mission. So by tapping into that spirituality, by you know, giving light to those spirits, we build a relationship together where it's no longer, hey, I, I can't have a panic attack while I'm in the middle of a work meeting, you know, and you guys need to understand that. So that requires that relationship building. And I, I realized that on that, on that topic that a lot of people that I mentor, um, that's kind of the initial um, transmission of mediumship. It actually comes across as panic. Because we don't know what's happening. We're just feeling, we're feeling all of these things and it, it, it turns into panic. So it requires a lot of meditation and a lot of, I think, moderation as well, where we can't do too much. We have to have a balance. You know, I can't sit my table every single day and, and do prayers because that's a bit much. You know, now I'm overindulging. So just, I had to learn how to create that balance. Um, and I have... And so, you know, now the way I transmit it is, you know, through helping other people um, through their spiritual journey, as well as I'm still growing. Every day I'm growing. And I was just telling Addie, there's there's so much more that I want to be able to do and tap into. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, just praying and through meditation, helping others. And one thing I will say is um, just to tap into what you were saying, Addie, that's very important how we wake up in the morning. One of the things that has helped me is waking up and speaking gratitude into the universe mm -hmm. and just creating that positive aspect and outlook and just tapping into my purpose every day has helped me greatly, actually, in my spiritual life. So, yes, I, I, I would definitely agree that your morning routine and your attitude in the morning when you wake up is, is going to dictate 
how your day is going to go in a, in a literal sense and in a spiritual sense as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think when you give thanks well to the most high, absolutely to the most high and to the creator, you get a blessing there. He's like, Oh, you remembered me, you know, have a great day. Or, you know, here's this, this grace I'm going to give you to be able to support these next 24 hours. And the one common theme I, I heard from both of you ladies is time and patience. You know, these things take time because you spiritually are not going to be the same person tomorrow as you were today, as you were the day before. You know, it grows, it fluctuates like the rest of our body. It's another plane within our own being. We we, we get people all the time um, that are like, hey, because one thing Alan Kardec said was everybody has the molecule. Um, we are spiritual beings to be able to have life. Um, you have to have a spiritual component to yourself. So a lot of people come in and they say, you know, how do we get to that level? How do we get to that phase? Um, and one of the things that me and Erica have spoken about frequently that we've noticed within ourselves and within others is a lot of it has to do with humility. A lot of it has to do, um, it's not that anybody's necessarily more talented spiritually than anyone. It's just, you know, we might have to work more at developing ourselves because some people have a predisposition to it. But one thing you could have immediately is humility, right? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, I want to come into trance. Uh, I, I don't know why. You know, because that's that's a strenuous process, you know, yes, for the people like you guys who actually go through that. I think Adam about allow because, you know, I'd rather sit eight hours on the mat than, you know, actually leave and come back and go through that process. But everybody's selected for different things. Um, but the mediumship, the trance, all of these things, the one common theme is humility, because the spirit makes a star out of somebody that's not trying to shine. You know, it wants to give that position to somebody who's really just focused on the betterment of that brother or sister who needs that confirmation, that clarification. It's not somebody who's just trying to receive those accolades because you have talented people and not everybody's ready for God's gift. Not everybody knows how to handle it. You know, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that because I knowing both of you, I know how humble you are and you guys have achieved so much personally within each of your, you know, industries and, and lanes, you know, most people wouldn't even imagine the credentials that are sitting to my left, you know, so I'll, I'll start with uh, you, Poroye. You know, how, how big of a role does humility um, play within actually delving into trance and becoming a better medium? I think humility, you know, so this is why spiritualism, before we can help others, we have to help ourselves. Loose. And, yeah. you know, it's very character-building experience. And I learned, you know, 15 years ago that I don't have the same character that I have now. Um, I had to do a lot of work on myself and identify the things that I needed to grow in. And that is a process, but you realize it's also humility, you know, realizing that you know nothing. And to this day, I will say, I know nothing. Because once I know everything, then I guess my journey's over, right? So I have to say, I know nothing. I have to grow and I have to learn every single day. And that's where. For me, the humility comes from is just understanding that you have to be the student before you could be the teacher. And, you know, in one way or another, we're, we're always going to be a student in something, in, in one aspect or another. We're never at our best. We can always do better. So that's what humility is for me. Um, and and I, I do try to express that to, you know, people that are trying to de develop spiritually. It's, it's, it's important to understand that it's not a competition it's not about what gifts we have or what we don't have. Um, it's about accepting our own journey, learning ourselves, and then being able to help others if that's what is in the path for us. Beautiful. And you, Addie, I mean, humility, especially you coming from a martial arts background. I'll never forget a gentleman came into the Wotanika and he was talking about how the dojo works and how the respect to the sensei is like godly. You know, he, he says that there's... um. And I don't know how, how accurate this is. I hope I'm relaying it correctly. He says that, that at the end of every training session or every reunion that the martial artists have, you know, the, the most honored position among the students is the one who folds the uh, the, the sensei's, um, I forgot, his tunic or his uniform. His gi. Exactly. And I just was like, oh, my God. Because I remember when I, you know, was in the piritita part of things more heavily, like when my godmother would come, like everything was ready. She'd be like, how you know you didn't leave any work for anybody else i said no 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 no. The, the, the table's ready glasses of water are ready the limpieza in the front is there the herbs are there like it was like it was 
Because I'm the kind of guy, I don't, I mean, no me gusta que me regañen. I don't like to be like, you know, so when she taught me this is how things need to be when these people arrive, it was always like that. Because if one thing I have to do is I have to make my elders look good because I'm a reflection of them and they do things well, so I have to make them look good. Um, so you having that background within martial arts, I mean, just how is that translated into the humility now with spiritism and, and what you see in people and how it could help them grow within it? Thank you for the question. Yeah. I mean, um, I've been I've been a nurse for 30 years, and I think that yeah. that really has been what really continues to tease away any lay, layer of ego. Um, thank you for all that you do, especially with COVID and but, all that, you know. Um, thank you. But um, I I really believe that my entire purpose in my life has been for service. Nice. That that's that's just what I believe to the core that I was here to serve, and that's why I I was brought here, and so um, and I'm humbled all the time because I never see anything from myself. I never can. I mean, you can intuitively see things and kind of avoid things, but I think that um, being an espiritista and, and being someone with having this responsibility. There is a level of suffering that you experience because you do feel other people suffering. You do feel their experience in, yes. in a much greater way, and it's something that people really don't talk about. And that will hum humble you and bring you to your knees. Oh, yes. Uh, because you are so sensitive to, you know, what's happening to other people. And, and so for me, I think... Uh, as, uh, you know, a great a great analogy that I have of my life is um, I as a black belt, I took a white belt class and uh, my sensei, who is like this really old guy, uh, country boy, you know, nice. just amazing, um, always talks a lot of trash about my red lipstick. But nevertheless, <laughs> I was in a front stance and it's a really basic stance and um, I was an in a pro improper front stance oh, God. and he came up and climbed up my back leg and brought me down to my knees and I was humiliated in front of a room full of white belts so with that I tell you everything fundamentals um you know with whether it's in nursing and you think you're at the top of your game or whether as a parent you think that your kid's not going to have that tantrum at target and they do you know and as a piritista or really in any other capacity is remembering that when you get that little sensation when you're kind of feeling like you're feeling yourself a little bit too much, something surely will pull the rug out from underneath you and bring you down to your knees. And so it's how I keep myself balanced So because I don't have to crash that way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now in my 50s, I'm not trying to go there. Lord, yeah. So just going back to the basics, and I too listen, you know, listen to my elders and ask for guidance. And, you know, that I, I consider you a mentor and an elder for me as well. Humble to, thanks. To Thank say, you. you know what, Addy, you know what, take it easy. You know, and then just and just kind of keeping yourself in check. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of those are all the things that I do to um, just kind of keep it real. But uh, I am humble daily. As we all are. And I think that's spiritism gives us that gift because, you know, it, it um you always hear don't judge anybody. You should never judge anybody anyway, but put their shoes on, you know, and, and for people who aren't spiritually in tuned, it's very difficult for them to be able to understand other people's feelings understand their hardships, their pains, their sacrifices, right? And I think tapping more into this or our internal self, whether it's through this specific white table um, format that we have or whether it's, you know, Buddhist meditation. And I, every now and again, I listen to the ohms like you recommended and all those different things. It doesn't matter because you have very spiritual people who have never sat in a Misa per se, because at the end of the day, it's meditation and delving deeper into ourselves. Um, you know, Poroye, I, I wanted to, you know, definitely touch on um, the mentorship program that you have now at Botanica Candles and More. Um, I believe it's been going on now for the past month. Um, there's a waiting list, you know, and um, I got to say that, uh, you know, that has to be kudos to not only, you know, the fabulous teacher you are, but the fabulous person you are, the fabulous medium you are. And, um, you know, what is basically the gist of what you're doing here at Botanica Candles and More with the Mentorship Spiritist Program that's available. Okay, well, thank you for that. Yes, um, ma'am. I'm humbled. <laughs> yes, ma'am. As we were just speaking about humili humility. Um, I just feel honored that, you know, we've gotten here where, you know, 
I'm in a place that I can help other people, which I do believe is, is why I'm here. Um, and so it's just going through my journey and how confusing it can be and, you know, how scary it can be as well. I just wanted to create that safe place, you know, that I was talking about earlier, um, where we can have intuitive people come in um, or people who want to tap into their own intuition, which we all have. We all have a gift. So, um, and we create that safe place where we can sit in through prayer um, and I can, you know, tap into, you know, my spirituality as well as help you tap into yours in a safe place really is, is the simplest way to put it. Um, everyone is different. Everyone is going to move at a different pace. Um, you know, some people, it all depends on their individual journey, how far they want to go. Maybe they're just looking to improve some things in their personal life. Um, and they're looking to tap into their intuition for that to be able to better assist themselves. Or maybe, you know, they want to become a tarot reader or they want to have a botanica one day or they, you know, want a platform where they can help people. Um, that's what we've created here um, through this program and just, you know, keeping it simple and and doing it in a safe place where, you know, they can feel like, you know, we're, we're amongst responsible individuals that have our best interests at heart. Um, so that that's what the environment that we're creating with the mentorship program. Awesome. Um, I'm easily seeing that there's going to be a part two of this, uh, this episode, right? Because <laughs> so many great topics that we've touched on, so many still to touch on, right? Um, I, I guess after this fabulous conversation and interaction, the question I'm going to leave off with each of you is, um, beginning with Addie, what has Spiritism provided to you in your life? Deep breath. All right. Epic. I think I could almost cry by describing it, but probably the greatest ability to love. And that's what it is. Spirit is love. That's what they say. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... I'm like in love with the planet. Like that's just, I'm just such a, nice. you know, like I, it doesn't mean that I'm not still, you know, thinking the bad guys are bad guys, but of course. I think for me, the greatest thing is love and, and, um, compassion, a very deep compassion and truly also a compassion to myself, which is something that no one really teaches us, but through the spiritual practices, as you, you know, grow and connect with people and, and you serve others and you tap into this higher self, you still start to develop a, a deep love and compassion for yourself as a being. And it's beautiful. So that's what I've got. Thank you so much for those words. And Boroye, what has Spiritism provided you? Spiritism, what has it not uh, provided me is a yeah. better question. Um, it's given me purpose. And, you know, it's... It's given me the opportunity to understand why I'm here, and it's given me the opportunity to help others. It's given me the opportunity to be a better person, and it has helped me in my personal life in a way that I cannot even describe, you know, from sleeping on a bench with my two kids and my spiritual core getting me through that to where I am today to where I might be tomorrow, just knowing that I walked through this world and I am not alone is the biggest gift. It's the biggest blessing. It's just that knowledge. And that's what spiritualism has done for me. It's provided me the knowledge to be able to progress in life. Ladies. Oh yeah. Beautifully said, my love. And, um, what an amazing interaction, you know, um, I'd like to take a moment before we get into, you know, the closing comments, um, to mention, um, someone that's very special to us. That's not here. Each of us, right. Um, your grandmother, passed away, you know, recently, semi-recently. What was her name? Her name was Yolanda. Awesome. And what did she have crowned? Ochung. There you go. And, um, you know, we just, you know, may she rest. May, I think this whole interaction is somehow facilitated by her and each of the people we're going to mention. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to her for producing such a fabulous human being, you know. She rests so we can give her that moment and really, you know, that's why we say our roots because that woman is a root. You know, the Orishas are a root, the Congos are a root, the Jose is a root. You know, you have to give them their flowers 
when they're here, just like when they're gone, right? So may she rest. And um, Erica Poroye, if you'd be so kind to mention your father. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just blessed to have spent the time that I spent with my father, um, Robert Montañez. Officer. Detective. Detective. Hero. Montañez, 9-11 hero. And he gave his life for this country. He gave his life for me and my family. And he actually introduced me into this beautiful belief system. And um, I honor him every day. And I hope I make him proud every day. What a gentleman. And the person I'd like to mention, I remember when I started this podcast, we never had any intentions of any viewership. Um, it's become that, but I said if anybody, you know, takes the time to listen to me, I was going to mention this woman. Her name was Aurora Fernandez, um, my grandmother, um, the woman that raised me, not because my mother wasn't there. She was definitely there, but um, just such a presence. You know, if I if I had one mom, I definitely had two. And mama, where you are, wherever you are, um, we feel you and we know you're still here, just like all these other people that we've mentioned. And ladies, thank you so much um, for such an epic conversation. Um, may we continue. You know, we'll definitely have a, uh, a follow up and do this again, because I know this answered a bunch of questions and is going to create a bunch more, you know. <laughs> so just a couple closing comments um, that we want to make um, here on Our Roots podcast um, with Joseph Abayifa. We're only the strongest roots. See the light brought to you by Botanica Candles and more. And we appreciate you tuning in, guys, family. Um, the mentorship program um, for spiritists of any level um, is um, ongoing here at Botanica Candles and more. Um, if you're interested, just like with any of the other services I'm going to mention, um, you can call 407-440-2086 or visit BotanicaCandlesandMore.com. Um, IFA classes are going to be starting. Um, we're really trying to create a curriculum for all those that are trying to grow spiritually within the IFA Orisha Spiritist context. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity, please like the video, share the video, hit that subscribe button, please comment, let us know, um, how you felt about the video, um, what questions, you know, we can continue answering. Um, and sincerely from us, um, Miss Addie, Miss Boroye, Botanica Candles and more, Joseph Babaifa, we want to say thank you, um, for tuning into Our Roots. And until next time, guys, see the light. See the light.